The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical, paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com and use the promo code MANHORE. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all those OG whoreheads, longtime lusters, and newly infatuated fan whores. This is Billy Persida, and this is episode 300 of the Man Whore Podcast. And uh, this, this week on the pod, we have got on author Lindsay Goldwert, who has a book out now called Bow Down, Lessons from Dominatrixes on How to Get Everything You Want. As someone who has been self-actualizing some stuff for the last 300 Wednesdays in a row, uh, I could really connect with this one. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it, too. But first, show dates, people, show dates. Okay, I am hitting the road soon, everybody, so start paying attention to this portion. Um, Tonight, actually, January 8th, Trenton, New Jersey, I'm at NJ Weedman's Joint at 9 p.m., I'm assuming it's a weed joint. Uh, January 15th is my last New York City spot uh, in Harlem at Silvana's at 8 o'clock. Then Pittsburgh, January 18th, I'm at Mount Troy Inn. Los Angeles, January 28th, I'm at Larry's. And January 29th, I'm at the Sycamore Tavern. And Yakima, Washington, February 8th, I'm at Bill's Place. I'm going to be featuring over there. So I'm going to be getting around. I'll have some more dates to announce uh, soon. But wow, 300 episodes. Uh, You know, 300 episodes is nuts. And I know a lot of you have binged through most of these. But did you know that there are nearly 200 bonus episodes available exclusively on Patreon? Did you like that seamless transition? Yes, uh, we've got nearly 200 bonus episodes available on Patreon. Uh, most of them are all available at the $5 and up level. Uh, most of the time, it's it's extra conversation with that week's guest. Like tomorrow, I've got a bonus episode coming out with uh, Lindsay Goldwert. Sometimes it's a, a totally different person that I bring in. Like I just literally a couple hours ago finished recording with uh, Simone Fonsarlus. Damn, those Dutch names. I have a hard time saying them. Um, That one's only going to be available on Patreon. And then also we've got some free bonus episodes. Yeah, for free. Anyone can go listen to them, but only on Patreon. We've got Nina Hartley talking about beta men and alpha gals. We've got Andrea Allen giving me a quiz to find out if I'm a sex addict. And we've even got my seventh grade crush. So all of that is available exclusively at patreon.com slash podcast. Joining doesn't just give you access to a bunch of uh, exclusive bonus content and sex positive discussion groups, but you also get, uh, you know, the peace of mind knowing that you uh, are supporting independent content creators uh, and so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. So again, become a member today. Do the right thing. Enjoy some killer bonus episodes at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. 
And now it's time for the fan whore appreciation moment. We'll do that real quick. Okay. Uh, this is the part of the show where I like to give a shout out to a few of the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Want to start off with, oh my gosh, she's an OG fan whore, Megan Smith. She actually was a patron and she left and now she's back again and we're so excited to have you there. It felt like a pillar of the community was missing. And now, now that foundation is back there making us stronger than ever. Welcome back, Megan. Uh, shout out to Simple Creations. I think you make jewelry, but hey, I think you're quite the gem for pledging. Way to go. Uh, shout out to Fox Confessor, uh, who confessed his real Foxy name to me. Uh, it's apparently a fellow comedian. And well, you know, you've seen my dick, dude. I hope you're happy. I'll see you at an open mic soon. <laughs> uh, but thanks uh, oh so much. And a shout out to Lucy Moon who is, holy shit, a total hottie. Uh, oh, my God. She's one of those uh, OnlyFans cam girls, shoots her own clips. She's a professional hot chick on the internet. I'm into it. I'm glad she's into this. And you should all go be into her. Uh, so go go look her up. It's uh, Lucy, L-U-C-E-E, -E, Moon. Yeah. And now for this week's guest, Lindsay Goldwert. I had such a blast chatting with this woman. She has a book out. Uh, it's coming out next week. It is called Bow Down, Lessons from Dominatrixes on How to Get Everything You Want. Very captivating. I can't wait to read the book. And uh, I hope you will we'll all enjoy my 300th on-air conversation with Lindsay Goldwert mind at the moment um and so here the, let me know what you think is interesting so um i have been writing a lot about not findom but about like but, but money and 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 power sex dynamics. and money yeah sex and money so i've been thinking a lot about that thinking a lot about sort of you know the, the 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 ladies didn't teach me so much about like how to like dominate your finances but they were so inspiring to me and i was like they, they their ethos inspired me to do a million things so I, it actually got, got me thinking a lot about all the ways that i want to kind of not in a self-help way, but kind of like down my own life, you know, in a way that sounds very corny, but it actually is really, it's actually changed my life in a pretty big way. Yeah. So I can talk about, uh, yeah, I could talk. So I, so, so that's on my mind. Body image stuff is sort of on my mind. I, I could talk about like, like, like my own sex stuff, you know, mm. whatever. But, um, yeah. Just, what's, just, what's on your mind with the body stuff? So, um, how are we, are we? Yeah, I mean, we we are or we aren't. It depends where I fade no. in. <laughs> so it was really interesting. So I always struggle. Hey, you. No, it's hey. not. It's not going to happen. You're going to be quiet. Yeah. Going to be quiet for us. Going to be a cute kitty. Be quiet. An asshole. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Right. You were saying. So my whole life, I I struggled with my weight. You know, a lot of us do. You know, mm -hmm. and then for some reason this year, as I was. I don't know, as I was talking to the Dom, but just started thinking a lot about the idea of like kind of living defensively. Like I would get sad, so I would eat. You know, I get sad, so you shop. I was thinking about all the, the things I do that are destructive um, that I don't control. When people think of control and like power, they think of all these terrible things, especially if you're a woman. Mm. But I don't know, there's something about this year and just saying like, no, like instead of just reframing it, it's like, no, instead of, you know, oh, I should be thin or like, I, or why can't I be thinner or like, why can't I be healthier? What's wrong with me? I started framing it. It's like, you know, why do I think I deserve to eat shit? Like, why mm. do I think... 
like and and what is that about? And so doing sort of deeper re kind of it wasn't really like to stop digging into the shame pile and dig more into the like past history pile. And it just it made the conversation in my head a lot more easy to understand. And and I ended up sort of like so I went on not I'm not promoting them, but I ended up going on Weight Watchers and kind of kind of but kind of attacking it from like an AA perspective. This whole idea of like it's hard, it's discipline, um, it's this is something you've struggled with your whole life. But there was something about talking to the women in the book, talking to the doms about the idea of taking control, but in this way that wasn't like awful and self-helpy and like people working out in spandex, you know, yeah. or those awful like TED Talk people like take control of your life. It's like I never, none of that ever resonated with it's, me. It's also vague in general. Like none yeah. of it's like specific. Like tell me how I, yeah, how do I do that? And we how all, do I do We it? all know take control of your life. How does I, how do I do it? I don't know. And the thing <laughs> is you never know what kind of ethos is going to be the one that resonates with you. You know, I, you know, I was a journalist for, I am a journalist, but for years I worked in the newsroom. I worked in a million different places, breaking news, you know, ABC, CBS. I was been surrounded by really smart people and yet and read a million books. And yet the only ethos is that really resonated with me were uh, hang out with stand-up comedians and hang out with uh, kinky people and sex workers. And I think that it just goes to show that you, you never know where you're going to find things that click with you. Yeah. Although it's not too surprising. I mean, these are, things I've, <laughs> these are things I've always been interested in. So um, so that's been an interesting thing that like, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I wrote this book and I lost weight. It was more like, I wrote this book and I started really thinking about all the ways that I allow myself to feel powerless and kind of, you know, let myself sort of wallow in it as opposed, you know, so it was just more of a way of changing why I w- was, you know, allowing myself to feel so shitty all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I also just when you said like, why do I let myself eat shit? I've never, or as much as I love that with Domino's tastes like, I've never ordered it, and at the end of the experience, felt good. Never have I eaten no. it and be like, that was a great decision. It's never happened. No, it's it's about like hurting yourself with food. It's like, yeah. but and and it's it's funny. Like I, I, I don't know all these things. You know, I thought I know about like you know, it's not even like a masochism, you know, sadism thing. But there was a way where I just. I, I couldn't even, if there was a time in my life where I wouldn't even want to eat good food. I would only eat like bodega food. Like I would only eat food like in wrappers. Not that I was, like, I, I just wanted my, my, to eat like how I felt, you know? And, and I just, I always felt about, I don't know. I always said, well, something's wrong with me. Why, why can't I just be like other people? And I just needed this. That's also by getting older, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Something about this year and just kind of asking myself why a lot, you know, and, and I think kinky people and the people I've met, you know, they ask, they, and people who have fetishes and people who want to care more about, you know, exploring their lives and they're living authentically, they ask why a lot. And I don't, I don't think, you know, and you can ask why you like to fuck a certain way or you can ask why you allow yourself to be treated a certain way. And it was just a big year of thinking. So I don't know, for some reason, all everything kind of clicked with me when I started talking to them. They, they really had a way of looking at life that made a lot of sense to me. Huh. This year I was doing the asking why, but not with food, but, uh, but specifically with sex. Like, why am I applying to this Reddit ad? Why do I, why am I going to go to this sex party why am i trying why am i opening tinder right now interesting it was like do i actually want to get laid am i actually horny right now or am i just seeking a a buzz in my brain for a moment i can relate to that in a pretty big way do you think it's a like a sex addiction issue or it's just like a desire for dopamine and connection yeah i think it's a dopamine thing because if it's not that then it might be gambling or it's going to be food or it's going to be um getting into a fight on twitter it's Oh, I remember when you and I had, I remember a conversation you and I had, it was at, oh my goodness, we were at a, uh, for some reason I was at a comedy roast battle and you were taking, <laughs> you were taking bets on who would win 
Yeah, I was the co- I was the comedy fight club bookie. You were the bookie, and I and I, I always bet on all the women, and and I I did okay that night. <laughs> I remember that that was very funny. Um, but that's interesting too. I mean, for me, it's the same thing, you know, as someone who you know I I talk pretty openly about you know I struggle with depression and various things, you know, since I was a kid, you know, and I do think that you know all these things they do give you a jolt, you know, like. You know, everyone knows this. Like a, someone likes your tweet, you know, you you one click buy something on Amazon, you know, you unwrap a cookie. All these things give you that real feeling, and and you know, you're not wrong to feel to feel that pleasure. You know, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling it. You know, it's just it's just supposed to, then it's like then what? You know, and that's the question: is the how many times can you do those hit those buttons before you realize that you're just sort of pasting over a larger problem? Because the dealing with a larger problem is no fun. Yeah. It's really hard. That's the stuff that for some reason the, I found that, you know, the women I spoke to in the book, the doms, they were just such, um, I call them like empathy athletes, you know. Yeah. They were such like, um, just had just given so much thought to what they do and, and into how people interact with each other and to the ways people are honest with themselves and each other that there was something about that that just really resonated with me. And I started asking myself why and making a lot of really hard hard choices and decisions and really doing the work, as they say. And it's been hard. Um, it's easier to just binge eat. <laughs> it's, it's easier to just like, you know, whatever, just like flirt with. It's just easier to just do all these things to distract yourself from all the things that are, that are, that are hard in your life. And I have a lot of empathy for people. And I found that the dominatrix says they're, you know, the idea that empathy is so important and trying to relate to people that I, I also, that also meant a lot to me as well. Well, I want to say real quick, we're here right now with a fellow comedian and author, Lindsay Goldwert. And also, my cat is curled up in your lap. Yeah, that's, the cat's behaving. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, right. he's a slut for love. Yeah, if he'll keep him quiet, I can pet. Yeah, know? or he'll just come and go, but I think he's, I think he's, you yeah. just, just let him go. You don't have to keep petting him that way if you don't feel like it. So did the, so doing the Weight Watchers like the, it helped with your relationship with the food or with your body or just like me? It's just Weight Watchers is interesting because it's it's just so sensible and sickening, you know. Like it's just you just eat sensibly and you just have to like take you have to it's it's you know you have to face it. You have to write down what you eat, and there's nothing more hard than so much easier to live in a fantasy world when you don't write down what you eat, you know. Um, it's like to live in a fantasy world where you don't realize that a serving size of peanut butter is two yeah. tablespoons, and you're like, wait, what? But it's just, it's just, it's just endless reality. It's endless. It's every day is an endless confrontation with reality, um, which is no fun and is hard. But if you are living in, if you do live in a world of kind of magical realism, you know, like, oh, like, um, this is going to make me feel better. Or if I eat the standing up, it doesn't count. Or if I do, we all have these magical rules we make that like, if, if X does, if I do this X way, then it won't count. It, it's good. It's like that. It's yeah. very, you know, it's hard, but that was just one thing. I don't know, but in terms of, but all the, I just start thinking a lot about, you know, I don't know. It was a really writing about kink, uh, at my age, you know, at 40 was really, was really fun to reexamine all the ways, all the ways that, cause I've been married for a long time. You know, who was I before and who am I now? Like, I think that's an interesting. So being my age, I think the age is 38, whatever, every age is interesting, but you know, being, the age I am, you really are sort of doing a big retrospective on, you know, because this is such a great time, you know, like you're your smartest, your cutest, you're making the most money, like things are, it's it's a good time in your, in a woman's life. So so a lot of women I know are sort of figuring out like, where, where how do I, if I still want to be married to that person? Do I still want the same job? Do I still want to live here? Like, who am I, am I the person I want to be? Mm. And it was an interesting time. 
it was an interesting time to write to write that this book during this time in my life when I was in a lot of you know questioning of myself. Well, so the book Bow Down, where you talk to a bunch of dominatrixes, right? Yes. So, Bow Down. Um, I interviewed a bunch of amazing dominatrixes from all over the country about power dynamics and how to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And initially, the idea was that they would it would be more of a workbook, like how to get what you want in the workplace. Um, but as I was, as I was writing the book, um, I got the book deal pretty quickly, and I kind of had to write it write it while editing and running. Um, I just found myself being much more interested in more the relationship aspect of it, relationships to ourselves and others, mm-hmm. um, instead of just like, this is how you ask for a raise, this is how you do this. So was, was talking to the, uh, these women like a lot of more, um, oh, I don't know why I just had a brain fart. I had a fully formed question in my head and then just didn't come with me. Uh, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll ju- so I wanted to use ultimately kind of a lot of the, the the ethos of BDSM as sort of a way to examine your own life. You know, I thought, you know, the tenets of, of consent, negotiation, you know, respect, communication, safe words, I thought all these ways were just very in- and were just interesting ways to view everything you do in your life. Mm. Um, and how we deserve to be treated, how we should treat each other. Um, and I just it just made it just made life a lot a more interesting place for me to examine at the time. So as I was writing the book, it started off as a workbook, and there is some work stuff in there for sure. Um, but I was just started asking the doms questions that I had about myself and my own life. So mm-hmm. everything in the book uh, is uh, is very much uh, from the heart and from my own experience. When and, you go that level deeper, it just gets like to be a more fulfilling, better piece of whatever you're making whether it's a book uh when i talk to the porn stars so as a podcast like i you know yeah it's not about like who cares about the double anal like what we want to learn about you or yeah. so so not asking that that's what i was getting at was the not asking them like oh how do you do x y and z but it's like how do you become the type of person who can ask for you know do x y and z absolutely and that that's always been my thing too you know i i if, People just go on YouTube for a tutorial. Same thing when you interview, you know, like a porn star. You know, I'm not, people can just Google you if they want to see, you know, the, the films you do or the acts you perform on camera. You know, that, that's not interesting to me. Right. And for the the, the doms that I spoke to, um, I I don't, I don't know if so. I mean, I think they're used to being asked these questions. I don't think they like a journalist has ever like asked them so many questions about their feelings and their philosophy mm-hmm. and power and getting what you want. But in this sort of in this in this much more um, I don't know, it's more emotional, philosophical way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and coming at it from the place that no one ever really gets what they want. But you can come close and you can, and, and but you, no one ever gets what they want completely all the time. But if you don't ask, then you, you'll never get. And how some people just never know what to ask for. What, what made you even want to do this book? Like what? Where's that thought come from? Okay, this is this is funny. Because um, you were you're a comedian, but you were like a finance writer. So okay, so here's my story. So I was um, I did stand up comedy in my very early twenties, and then I stopped, and I always regretted it. Um, I, I worked in news for a long time, and then in my mid thirties, um, I just had this moment where I decided I didn't. I was pretty sure I didn't want to have kids, or I was on a break from thinking about kids, and I just. Turn and uh, I just gotten some medical news that some good medical news. Uh, that my family has a breast cancer gene. I'm Jewish, and uh, I don't have it, but other people in my family do. So I really yeah. had this moment of like, you know, I need to seize the day like right this minute. So I just turned to my husband on the couch and I said, "I'm going to start doing stand up." And he said, like, okay. And I said, no, now. And I left and I got up and I just like went to like the world's worst mic. Um, <laughs> Which world's worst mic? I went please. to like a mic at the Creek in the Cave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I went, I just did a, I, I probably look like someone's teacher, um, but uh, but I just started. And I I did it like nonstop for like around five years. I 
I was very lucky and I, I had a show in, in Sunnyside, Queens that did pretty well and I got booked on a lot of nice stuff. Um, and then I had to, I, then I did a podcast called Spent where I interviewed comedians and writers and economists about money and their money mistakes and their money fuck ups. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun and that, that did well. And, um, but then I had a, you know, life is hard. You know, I was away a lot and my husband was like, when are you ever going to come home? And I was like, I don't want to come home. I like what I'm doing, but you have. But Were so, you touring, or you mean like out and about? In I was the city always or? out at night. I was out during the day. I just, you know, yeah. my husband's an early bird. You know, he like he's a productive, get up early, you know, early to bed, early to rise kind of guy. And um, I had to sort of take a break from comedy to kind of figure out, you know, I had to do some re- do some rethinking. So I've taken a break from stand up. Rethinking um, of career or or its effects on the relationship. Or, yeah, or, I just had to be like, well, how you know, I had to just figure out like who how, who am I and what's important to me and. And I don't want to like let my marriage fall apart, but I also like need to be, be need to be myself. I also need to make money. So it was it was many things were happening, uh, or in 2017, um, in 2018, where I was doing a lot of like deep thinking, and then I then um, I had the chance to pitch an idea to uh, to somebody at Simon and Schuster, um, and they were interested in a personal finance idea, and I like personal finance, but I'm not an expert in the way that other people are experts. Mm. Um, but I, I, so I've always been fascinated with dominatrixes. I've always been fascinated with, with kink and sex work and all that stuff. And when I was a kid, I used to actually draw dominatrixes. How did you know who, what that they are? I, I guess I watched a lot of cable as a child. <laughs> but I, when I went home for the holidays for like for, for Thanksgiving, I looked through some old sketchbooks of mine and there's tons of pictures of women in like fishnet stockings Amazing. and guard yeah so i don't know also i think my mom got a, had a fredericks from hollywood catalog come to the house that i may have like of this lingerie catalog that may have like imprinted on me at a young age <laughs> um i've always been so I, were I you think, a dress-up kid yeah i was a dress-up kid in a big way uh so i don't know i think that i just i just I, a few things kind of came to mind where i got this idea and i pitched it cold to this uh to this editor at Simon & Schuster. And then when, when it happened, I said, oh, shit, now I have to go uh, talk to some people. But I was so excited because well, I'm an interviewer. That's all I ever want to do. So I ended up getting in touch with this uh, dominatrix uh, named Simone Justice. Mm-hmm. And I was going to take a class of hers um, just to, you know, learn skills and also to to meet her. But wh- um, and what was the pitch? The pitch was the name of the book. I came up with it in five minutes and, and threw it together. It was it was just it was literally the, the the pitch is the book it was just i interview renowned dominatrixes to teach you how to get what you want in the bedroom in the boardroom and, and how was the and the pitch was just instantly received because i feel like pitch and sex stuff i feel like there might be like extra strings or it or was, finesse that's required well i think because i have a business and work background um and have a reporting background i think that they were they gave me a little more a little more leeway um but isn't that wild that if like a dominatrix came with the same book pitch they'd be like i will know Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely true. I think that you, well, it, it, yes, that's a whole other topic. Um, there's a few doms out there who have really incredible book ideas and incredible ideas. And, and it, it's, you need to find people to align, align with. There's a few of the doms I've met for the book that I am, I would love to continue working on projects with to, to, mm. to sort of just say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have, but if you have a really big audience, um, Anyone can publish a book on anything. Sure. That, that <laughs> That's is, what I, that if you have a platform, the, you could, you could, uh, and you can write pretty decently, then you could, anyone can write. Even if you can't write pretty decently. Yes. Even if you can't write pretty decently, <laughs> uh, someone will rewrite the book for you. It's anyway. So I, uh, so that's, that was the story. I just, um, I, I came up with this idea and I, 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 and I reached out to Simone. I, her class was canceled, but I reached out to her and I just sort of, 
threw myself at her on the phone saying, this is the book I want to do. It's about philosophy. It's about kindness and empathy. It's not about, it's not a gotcha book. It's not sleazy in that way. Mm. And she took a chance on me and she said, um, and she got me into, um, got me a press pass to DomCon, uh, the dominatrix convention yep. that happens twice a year, once in LA and one in New Orleans. And I went to, and she gave me a list of people that she thought were, would be fun to talk to. And she, she really helped me get this whole thing going. So she's a, a true friend. I, I like how you, uh, the, you know, you say she took a chance because I, one of the things I was curious about was like, how were you received by a lot of these, you know, doms and sex workers you chatted with? Cause I know they don't always have the most favorable view of how sure. media portrays them or re-edits them or quotes them. 100%. So I like, I like, I definitely get some skepticism, especially in my earlier days of the show when they didn't have like, a list of people I can say, well, this person, this person, this person did it. You know, back when I was a, a more baby podcaster, I had to just kind of hope that they would take a chance to be on the show and hope that this face wasn't going to be a shithead about it. Yeah. Because this face apparently is a, a long history of doing that. You know, it's very funny. Um, that's one thing that Simone Justice said to me. She's like, I don't have a very good track record of talking to the media. Mm -hmm. And I said, I get it. I totally get it. Um, um, but I, I just said, like, I just... And, and I was very, and if she didn't want to help, I, I would have understood a lot of the doms I spoke with um, said very politely, like, no thanks. Yeah. I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say like a good chunk, you know, yeah. but always very politely. And some of them who didn't write back wrote back like like months later saying got lost in my email. You know, everyone's so busy. Um, but so like your your email got wedged in between a guy who wanted me to kick him in the nuts yeah. and another guy who just wanted to be Well, flogged. which one's going to pay? And which, which one's going to pay them? Which one's going to just take up their time? and could be a waste of time. So I, I but, but she, she, because she just took a chance on me that she, I seemed like a nice person and I was very genuine. It was, you know, and she's a big part of the book and she's, she, she does the whole introduction for, for me and she, she gets a special thanks to the back of the book. Um, she, by going to DomCon, which was an incredible experience and getting to sort of sit in the back of the room um, and just the trust that they had in me that I just, I just, I didn't, no one in the book was in the book that didn't talk to me for the book, mm. but I just got to listen to these amazing women give workshops and listen to the conversations that the women were having. You know, at DomCon people meet from all over the country to see each other again. It's usually at a location you know, at a hotel. So there's always, there's lots of partying, lots of meeting up with people, lots of, you know, lots, lots of fun stuff. So just to be there, just, I just felt so lucky. How, how did I end up in this, in this, you know, convention center in like this Hilton watching this incredible dominatrix give a demo of WWE style domination, you know? And it was like, I just felt so like blessed to be there because yeah. it was just so fascinating and cool and watching the audience, watching the doms in the audience, like taking notes and their questions and, and all the ways they were trying to organize their own lives around their health insurance, around the legal stuff. Like, you know, they, they're not unlike every, you know, they're, you know, it's like star magazine. They're just like us. Like yeah. everyone's, an entrepreneur, they're all trying to manage their branding, manage their taxes, manage manage their income, manage their rent, manage their expectations of themselves and others, manage, you know, manage bullshit in their lives. And as somebody who I can also relate to them in certain ways that I have never felt like I could have a life like other people's lives. You know, I always I they have to kind of do things their own way. You know, this is sort of and, and I always felt like I had to do things my own way. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't quite as brave as I don't like to use the word brave, but I wasn't I don't think I had the, I I played things very safe for a long time is what I'm saying. I, I stuck with a career that was not as, as satisfying because I was afraid. Mm. So were you, were you surprised at all to see like the 
they're just like us and their job is has the same bullshit my job has like did that i don't know how into the king scene you were or weren't but i don't know like were you surprised at anything you, you think, learned like that i mean i mean it's, it's funny like they're just they're just like us but of course they're not like you know it's completely different i, I nothing the things that surprised me i kind of think what surprised me I, I think I mean I knew that they'd be cool and interesting and fun and and have deep things to say. I didn't I didn't expect the just the real seriousness and just the 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 the, the spirituality, the spiritual aspect, the deep self examination. I didn't expect so much heart and kindness and sweetness. You know, I didn't because I didn't. First of all, sort of give an idea of what a dom is. You know, they seem very cruel and they're terrible. There's stereotypes you see in the media. Um, I, I didn't. I knew that they'd have cool things to say. I didn't know that they would say things that would like change my life. That I would come home and I'd replay the tape and I'd be and I would tell my friends the things that they would say. Uh, so I didn't know that it would be. I thought it would be kind of some cool sound bites, some some interesting stories. I didn't know that it would really like rock my world in the way that it did. Yeah. And and by listening to those tapes when you was rocking your world, is that how the book? shifted yeah from the workbook to some more self-examining sort of so i i had a um I, I had an outline of things i wanted to kind of plug into you know like you'll, you'll see the book it's like the different lessons mm. um but it just became so much less of a book like 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 a workbook like a lesson book than mm. just it became so much more of like a love letter you know like it, it was so a friend of mine from high school read that read it and she said she was a little surprised she says it's so She's like, it's so earnest and, and sincere. And it's funny because like, I guess I'm known for being more of like a funny kind of sardonic, cynical person. That's cynical, you know, but there's really not a lot of that in there. Like I really went in there very like with like an open heart and really looking for, I'm, I'm the reader. I want to make a change in right. my life. So I want, I didn't go in there with any preconceived notions of what I want. So I just, it is a very open-eyed kind of like, hug me kind of book you know? it is a blessing to do a book like that uh where you're not the expert on the topic because yeah. i feel like that can remove so much ego from it and you can really just go like i'm here to learn totally and to like and to have my world rock to have my life changed a bit like you know if i talk to someone on the show like i'm always prepared like oh, i might have a earth-shattering revelation or something yeah. it's because like who am i i'm just a comedian with a fuck show i don't i'm not an expert on anything uh except on how to throw a gangbang that i'm, right. s- I'm starting to become through four this year like i was like i'm i'm getting this thing that, that's a real that, that would be a good story that, did, did you monetize it uh i'm trying to and i have i've had a couple clients i have one client that it fell through because i wasn't comfortable with her behavior oh interesting uh and then i have i have a client in california for when i go on this road trip um, that it seems like we're going to try to work something out. That's interesting. I, I did have to have a lawyer call because I want to make this like, yeah. a, I want to make this a formal, like fancy fulfillment service because not just gangbangs. I've done a lot of like interesting shit that had a lot of logistics in it. Yeah. Well, you have to set up an LLC to protect yourself. Well, they, well, there's the legal stuff of like, in theory, if the fantasies that I help coordinate for money involve other humans that like i have to like let's say because a lot of times the like, gangbangs i might recruit from reddit for example sure which gets a bad rap but those guys if you make them jump through enough hoops you'll find the ones who are i believe decent it. humans i believe um it. and they're very sweet but um he was like in theory if you get like the wrong enthusiastic da they could be like this man is trafficking these poor young boys at this gangbang interesting <laughs> so i was like okay i'm putting it on the back burner but it's something i want to make more formal and as a service but mm-hmm. for now you know hey private clients 
you know, no. behind the under underground type of thing. I think that's, I think that's, you know, if people are, it's consensual and people are having fun, like what life is so short. Yeah. To me, I don't understand, but I mean, from my point of view, why that should be a problem. I mean, I guess as long as like, you know, the, the, the one person who's being right. banged, as long as. Like, so, it, so we might have to be something more like, I may have to finagle. It's more like, I will consult with you and advise and help you with the organization. But like you legally have to like make the post yourself. Like, hey, if you give me the password, like, I'll sift through all the replies. Yeah. Um, um, but also, like, I think I can help people with, you know, if you want to, like, have a threesome with your husband or if you're trying to, like, um, you know, do various, like, it wouldn't be paying me for sex, me, like, consulting how sure. to make some bigger things happen. You're, but the gangbang seems to be my bread and butter right now. <laughs> you're a liaison. You're a liaison. <laughs> a liaison. There we go. Trademark. No, take, I, take it. It's yours. <laughs> but this, the, these are the kind of business ventures that I find very fascinating. Right. Because they're, because people can make it happen. You who want to do this responsibly, ethically, safely, you want everyone to have a good time. Yeah. That's all you want. And to make some money. Yeah. Because this is what you enjoy doing. So, it's a lot of dick pics to sift through. I'd like compensation. I know. That is a... <laughs> That what do they call this pain and suffering? <laughs> yes, yes. But I think, but from a, this is the thing. Which as a, as someone who writes about business, like those are the businesses I'm interested in, mm. in, in learning about because there are hoops to jump through. There is a service. There's a need. So why shouldn't you be allowed to to do this? You know, for people who are no one's getting hurt. You know, everyone's in it for the same reason. Um, and what hoops you need to jump through and how do you make it? How do you, and how, how would someone like yeah. you, it's like how I made it. How do you make it? So these are, so I find this very interesting. Um, and I, I didn't find any of the things I, I, I didn't see anything that was, that was too shocking. Um, I mean, I went to a bunch of events and I, I, I know in the book, I, um, I, had, I went, to, I did a session as a sub with a friend, with a friend of mine in the okay. book. Um, and I, I saw a lot of stuff that isn't in the book because the book is very much, uh, for the kink curious, it's not, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's save needle play for the next book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's very much, it's, um, it's very much, say you're a kinky person and you want your family to, to not be as frightened of what you do. This is a good gift for them, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, for, for your, yeah, it's a good gift for a good Valentine's Day gift for, for someone who's kink curious, yeah. you know, or wants to think, think kinkier maybe. Um, but I didn't see too many things that were, I don't know what's shocking to me. I also, my threshold for shocking is it's a comedy. It's very high. Right. My threshold, very different. Like in a, in a, a sex uh, ecosphere, it's hard to shock me. Someone's like, I have a fetish, but like, it's so crazy. I'm like, bring it on. Be like, yeah. you know, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm like, come on. I got yeah. it. You know, I've heard the, th I've seen the, and like, but mm, it's, I, like feet i'm like oh honey you know oh, it's you know that's yeah. so fine it's yeah so normal <laughs> there was a few things i saw that were that it, 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 nothing was nothing was terrible it was one thing i saw that was interesting was um there was somebody because the women were all very um obviously very protective um, about shielding their clients and stories about them they were very protective and you know their concern for them and their privacy yeah. is very important um, it was interesting, you know, the kind of men that they, that would work with them, the ones who had a lot of money, a lot of them, you know, really did want to experience, um, a, a loss of, a loss of control, have someone else control the situation. It was interesting. One person who I didn't meet, but I, but Adam told me, um, was a very wealthy person who works at a tech company. 
um, of some kind. And his thing was he liked to be uh, put in in, in cages. In mm-hmm. cage. And I was, cage or like a full cage? Full cage, full cage. And I was like, well, I wonder why that is, you know? And we were talking about it. It's like, well, you know, I think that he might be, because my theory is that I think that he just, he's so overwhelmed by the needs of his work. He's so overwhelmed. I think, you know, I think he might be a little on the spectrum. Like, I think he just, I think he finds it so calming to, to be put in a place where he just, he, you know, you can't really, I mean, you're not, these women aren't, they have the minds of therapists, but what they do is therapeutics, not yeah. therapy. But there's a lot of real insights into because I'm always asking why, like what makes people want to do certain things? And sometimes it's like, well, maybe just gives them a fucking boner. Like why do you have to like ask why about everything? That's a great reason. Gives me a boner or makes me wet is a great reason yeah. for many to do a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was finding that, that um, it was like, you know, asking why and then stopping asking why and being, can't we just have a good time? Can't you just enjoy what we're doing? Can't you just enjoy the fact that something just feels good or feels bad you know uh <laughs> but yeah i it was um yeah i didn't i didn't see anything too sh- shocking because i'm pretty hard to shock sure. i mean which, when i tell my friends the things i saw they my friends are like flabbergasted but i don't think anything is too strange i don't think i didn't think stand-up comedy was very strange like so if anything it's stranger yeah so i also um i found it very similar in many ways um i do find a lot of similarities between um sex work or specifically porn and uh and comedy i find like a lot of similarities that are kind of eerie a lot of like you kind of kind of come up through your own thing you gotta maybe unless someone like discovers you you gotta make your own content you gotta push it on social media you gotta diversify income so you gotta do stand-up or a podcast and this and this thing and i was like whoa there's a lot there's a lot interesting overlap well that's true too with the doms too i also felt a lot of one thing that i felt some parallels with too is you know they have their you know their work with if they do sessions with clients they also uh, might do some couples coaching and stuff and then they might also do their only fans and they might do you know some of the some phone stuff like everyone had everyone's got they might get um do uh some that have like a video studio on this like everyone's got a Mm. thousand hustles going on um in order to just keep keep up and then there's also a generational resentment which i love um how you know, we, we work for 20 years to make things the way they are. Now there's people just coming up and just doing everything off Instagram. And that's that, that's a comedy thing, if I've ever heard one. Ugh, like YouTube comics, you know, like Instagram comics. The Instagram comic is just enraging. <laughs> yeah. And that's how some of, some of the women feel about some of the, you know, the Instagram fandom girls, you know. It's, it's, it's just very – in the end, it's, it's hard. It, mm. I mean, and I have a lot of, you know, there's no – it's just hard. I mean, there's all the, the arguments are similar. Um the ways to get marketing attention are similar. You know, they have um, a lot of the doms, um, a lot of sex workers, a lot of people who work in sex education. A lot of, they struggle to get their ads accepted on on Facebook and mm-hmm. on Instagram and all these places. I so, can't even get ads accepted on Facebook. The thought, the anti sex shit is just like so absurd. It's it is, and so one of my ads got rejected for an episode of Spent. And then another one with the two doms did not get rejected. So I don't really understand who's making these choices. Um, that said, uh, it's, 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 so every, every career has different struggles, but it was very funny coming from a, a publishing background and from a, I worked at an investment startup. Uh, to go to a dominatrix convention and hear everyone talk about SEO because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll never fucking escape it. <laughs> you'll never, never escape SEO. You'll never escape the importance <laughs> of, 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 uh, of search engine optimization, but because but that's the challenge they all have because they're independent operators and just like magazines and newspapers shut down, mm-hmm. all the dungeons shut down. Everyone had to come up. Everyone everyone's making less according to their like um. 
Someone said to me that like the session rate hasn't gone up at, uh, as nearly as much as the cost of living. And neither has the set pay for a, a, a feature at a pay. club. Neither <laughs> has the cost to write an article. Like right. to me, there's just a lot of parallels with people who just want to do things their own way on their own. Um, and you have to do a lot of advocating for yourself and to set value for yourself. Like, what am I worth? How do you ask yourself, what are my talents and skills? What are they worth? And it's not easy to have the confidence to, to put that out there because people will say no. Is that a confidence you had before uh, researching this book? No. I think that I'm much better at it now. I feel like this book and helped me just, it, it, this was a good year. To, so I quit my job to write this book. So yeah. I had a year of not just of writing this book. I wrote this book in about six months, but I, it was a lot of time spent alone, like sitting, thinking, which I haven't had in years in a, in a good way, not like sobbing on the sofa. But just, uh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about what my career looked like. I've, I've worked so hard my whole life. I always thought of myself as, I always thought of things that didn't work out in jobs. I never thought of, I never thought of my, um, if anything, as, as a success, because I never felt like I succeeded at any job. Really? Yeah, I was like really hard on myself. Because I yeah. met you long before this book was starting to, you know, was a thing. And it was like, it just seemed like, yeah, she's doing things. She's making moves. Oh, she's got, she's sponsored by who? Which app? Okay, dope. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I saw all those things as very separate from each other. Uh-huh. Um, but so, but I always, in every job, when I looked at my career, I only saw where I failed at each job. I never saw like, I, I was really, really mean. The opportunities you didn't get. Yeah, and just yeah. all the ways I let myself down, all the ways I, I I didn't do well enough at the job. I was really hard on myself. Um, and then and then with the podcast was spent, I you know I did have a sponsor, and that was incredible. But because I it couldn't carry on the way I wanted it to, I started thinking about that as a failure. Like I just I I didn't it, I needed some time to look at my career was twenty years as a whole, and and before I could say like no, like I do deserve to ask for this much money, and if I don't, I'm insane. And people not people are not going to treat me with respect if I don't ask for what I'm worth more than what I'm worth. And then I'll take a little bit less, but I didn't, I, it wasn't, it's not, it's not just the advice. Like always ask for, always ask for as much as you can without laughing. That's like really good advice. But if you don't mean it, you, what are you even asking for? Mm-hmm. So to take time into your career and write down your skills and people who've worked with you and what you've accomplished and really take a look at it as like a volume of work. That's the only good thing. It's, well, again, about getting older is so great because you actually have something to show for yourself in the moment, if you, if you, if you can. So I, I found all that really helpful talking to the women about, you know, how you just have to say, I have a very special set of skills. I, um, I've worked really hard. I've trained hard. Um, I know that I'm really good at what I do and not everyone can do what I do. And that's a really great way to look at what you do. And if someone, but even then someone, a guy will be like, well, that's way too expensive. Forget it. Well, too bad, dude. <laughs> then you have to say too bad, dude. It, it can't, but if you're a certain kind of person or you have a bad day, you could be like, God, maybe I'm asking for too much. Like, oh, mm. like maybe like things are changing. Maybe, and then you can start to, you can start to wobble. And sometimes that you have to pay your bills. So like you can be all high and mighty, not high and mighty. You can, you can have, you can have your, your rate. Like I will not get out of bed for X amount of mm. money, but Sometimes you you do need to because you need to pay the bills. And you need to let yourself take the thing that pays less if that's what you need to, if you need that that month. You got to let yourself do it without like devaluing yourself overall. Be like, I am taking this even though I know I'm worth more, but I happen to need this money right now. Or I'm trying to go on this vacation, so I'm going to pick up this extra thing even though I know I'm worth more. As long as it's in your head, you just have to keep track. Just keep track of what you do and just just know that you haven't devalued yourself or devalued your worth just being like, I need to take on this this bullshit project because I need to get bills paid this month. But going forward, you know. (laughs) And, but I never thought about things that way. I just always thought, um, 
oh, well, the, you know, people don't, no one gets paid for doing that or um, no one's ever going to give you money for that or, you know, well, that's how much the base pay is, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I just took other people's word for it. It's very easy when you're a writer or a creative to kind of fall into a kind of a sad place of letting other people's misery kind of drag you down and kind of let, let them set the, the, the pace of um, and let them set the rate, let, let people don't have, you know, because yeah. like, everyone's... They know what it costs. They know what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, there's... And they think people are going to be angry at them for asking for more. Mm. And I mean, if, if there's a piece that offers an, an article that says it's $200... If you ask for a thousand dollars, they're they're probably going to say no. But if you ask for two fifty, if you ask for two fifty, you ask for three hundred, and you say, "Listen, I've written about," and and you really put some data in there, like I've written about this before. I've got a lot of connections, like you know, like if if can we make it, and don't even ask, but can we make it three hundred? Yeah. Just stop taking all like the apologies out, because you're not sorry. Like I'm sorry to ask. Like you're not sorry. I'm not, I've never. I've never once when I've said I'm sorry to ask, I've never been sorry to ask. I was just <laughs> I just didn't know how to speak with authority. So um, that was a lot of interesting. stuff things I learned in the book too, just listening to women talk and just speaking very directly, like kindness, honesty, and directness, just asking for what you want. People aren't going to hate you for asking what you want. If they do hate you, then they're, then avoid them. What kind of person, someone says to you, like, listen, you're asking for a little too much money. You, you, you always want $300 an article. I just think that you are just, just, just weighing over, you know, you're just too big for your britches. Like, it's not getting want... this many clicks, whatever. And it's not enough money to, to continue working for. And you're better off taking a hike anyway, mm-hmm. um, because and unless they're doing like the, you should, that's the whole thing about feeling powerless and, and and power dynamics. Like they 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 have the power, but you have the power too. You can also just walk away, especially if it's something over such a small amount of money like that. Like when it's a lot of money, you have to kind of figure out what to do. But when people say like, "Oh, I don't want to ask for for three hundred dollars over two hundred dollars," like what are you doing? Like why are you letting they, like they're getting your content for nothing? You're a bargain. Do you know how like, cheap you are? You're, you're, you're the, le- the last thing I think about on their bottom line. You're going to get paid in three months. You're going to pay net 90. You know, ask for more money. They don't even know who you are, you know. Um, but people are, people are just very afraid. And I think women, you know, I hope, hopefully things are changing. You know, we're, we're just not raised. We didn't, we, when we go to college, none of us actually, men or women or, or any of us, no one is, no one tells us how to, ask for for money or in a way that's respectful and in a way that shows that we deserve deserve to earn it no we don't ask don't tell us how to negotiate a raise negotiate a salary how to negotiate for how we should be treated at work one of the things in the book that i really liked was one of the doms um she's not on social media um her name is uh, mistress ava zhang she we, she and i talked about um a code of conduct the idea of having a personal code of conduct mm-hmm. and like like what like what like if you work at a company, like McDonald's has a code of conduct, you know, you will not, you know, you will not, you know, discriminate against others. You will, you know, wash your hands after you're, you, you will know, not you, dip your balls in milkshake, not stuff dip your balls like in that. Milk, milkshake, you will, right. Um, but why don't we have them for ourselves for how we can expect to, to treat others and be treated? And I gave it a lot of thought. And if you had that, you know, it sounds corny. It sounds like a self-helpy thing, but you just think about how much, how much shit we eat. Like, and how we let some people give us shit and other people, we don't let them get, like, why can't we just kind of hold? And so if you have a boss that treats you like shit, you have to say to yourself, well, you know, he's paying my bills. He, you know, he, he can, I can, I, I can accept this amount of shit, shit eating. But then you have to ask yourself, well, how much can I, how much is it worth it? You know, you have to just, because how, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I don't know. I just don't think we know, we know, we don't allow ourselves to ask what we're worth in Mm. any respect you know like people just allow themselves to be treated very poorly by their family members by their coworkers, by their bosses um and even though you 
like you might have to eat more shit at work than you do in your relationship because your bought your relation your bought your job is paying you a salary because that's why you're allowing yourself to be treated a certain way at home yeah yeah well i mean yeah it, it's not dissimilar to knowing what you're worth in a relationship yeah. and what you won't settle for and also like where you know the wiggle room of like okay i will accept this in exchange for that or under i mean last night i had a i had to walk i literally had to walk away from someone on the street uh yeah. who i've been like seeing for a few months i'm gonna take myself out of this because i don't deserve this treatment all i've done is try to help you and and um, defend you and make you feel better and make you yeah. giggle or something throughout this night. Yeah. So I'm not going to accept this le- this amount of treatment. Now will I accept a little bit because I know you're in a in a rattled mood. Yeah, exactly. Totally. But like, there's a threshold at which I don't accept that, and I think a lot of us need to learn like what our thresholds are in relationships of when we walk away from a conversation, when we walk away from the relationship. Sure. Um, and that that's I think it's the same skill set. There's the same self confidence you got to have 100%. to know when to do that. Yeah, to know when it's time to 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 walk away and to be like, this is there's only so much I can do here, you know. But if you're like, if you're nice, like like chronically nice, like me, you know, I feel terrible. I I'm, I'm getting better about that. But the, the the thing I liked about the book too, because again, like talking to the doms about relationships and about well, what do you do? A lot of the book is about relationships. So right. what if you know you're in your been with somebody like five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you decide that things have kind of, you really want to change in the marriage, whether it's a sexual change or any kind of a change. How do you bring it up and how you, you can be with somebody for so long and they can like, you can have food poisoning with them, have a family with them, you can, you know, and yet you just can't, you, there's so much you can't tell them, you know, and don't want to tell them. So that was, that ended up being a really big part of the book too, is like, well, how do you express to some person you love that you want to try something new sexually and mm. why that's so hard? And that was a really really interesting section for me and some of the advice that i got from the doms was so it was so practical but it, but it, you know it was actually useful advice this um, concerns come in like via their clients like they don't know how to ask so and so for this so they go to them and yeah okay sorry. so just they a lot of them work with work with couples um sometimes like a couple might want to go to them versus going to a, to a sex therapist um and some of them have, have you know have degrees in coaching and whatnot but um one of the pieces of advice that Lucy Sweetkill gave was uh, was don't have a, a talk about your sex life in bed. Don't talk about making a change um, in bed. You know, yeah. make sure that you do it at the kitchen table when you're dressed, because everyone's naked and they're in bed and they're vulnerable. Everyone's tired. And they, chemicals they, are going. Chemicals and are all going. That. Like someone's. It's just. It just. If you want to have a conversation about you know opening up the marriage or trying something different or whatever it is like just don't do it in a place where you're physically vulnerable yeah dudes when she says like when you say we should have a threesome while you're fucking she's like oh yeah totally that's not that's not a sign to go start searching like yes follow that up hey did you mean that back there was that just hot talk yes definitely the best conversations the ones that stick are the ones that are you that are in broad daylight you know in clothes at the kitchen table perhaps you know Uh, but that's, and that's how you, but if you really want to make yourself be heard, you know, and, and so that was an interesting thing to me because most people think if you want to bring up something to change your sex life, you, you do it after sex. Like, Hey, like, you know, it would have been much better if like we were doing something different, you know, but that's really, that makes so much sense when you say it out loud like that. But when do most of us have our conversations with our lovers about sex is in bed? Hmm. Um, and then people get, go to sleep angry, you know? So it's it, but, and when the idea of being with someone who you love for a long time, who you don't want to blow things up with, but wanting more is such an interesting topic because you, you don't want to give up the good thing that you have, but 
are you wrong to want more? And I think that goes, and that's both for whether it's you're a dom trying to set your price or you're a freelance writer or you're in a relationship. I think my self, my fear, my self-conscious whatever nonsense is the, I know I'm worth something. I don't know what what the number is. And then I have the fear of being wrong. So being wrong, giving my price to someone for like, say, an ad or being wrong in where I think I'm going to draw my boundary in a relationship. So I don't want to like be wrong and then like walk away from a relationship when actually I could have maybe taken a little bit more or I could have done that gig for that price. Um, So like, I don't know. I know my self-consciousness is not that I'm worth something, but not and like I'm worried about being wrong about how I valued myself. Sure. And I think, I mean, this is a slightly on a different topic, mm. but because I think this, I mean, this book is for anybody, but I guess, you know, you think about your, your, your peers, you know, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I should just be lucky. I should just, I should just be grateful. I'm so lucky. I should just be grateful. I should be happy that I have like two kids or happy that I have like a husband or happy that I have a wife or happy that my job is okay. And you don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Then you have all these secrets inside you, you know, and you wish and you long for and you want, and you're so afraid of alienating the person that you're with. Um, and that's really scary. And that's, that's really real. Like it's easy for me to say, just ask for what you want, but you have to face that person when they look at you possibly horrified or mm-hmm. when they cry or, you know, so how do you, so how do you ask for something that you want and how can you receive the response um, and how can you find some place where you can maybe meet in the middle? Because I do, cause and this is, so one of the sex therapists I talked to for the book, she's not a dom. Um, although I think she was for a period of time. Her name was a uh, Dr. Gloria Bram, okay. Gloria Bram, Dr. Gloria Bram. She, um, real she, doctor or like her character is a doctor. She's a real doctor. Okay. She's a PhD. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> she's a PhD. And she, this, the thing she told me for the book about relationships and, and long-term relationships and, wanting to make changes and then were, were incredibly profound to me. Um, because usually if you're with someone you love, you'll, you want to try to do some things to make them happy. Right? right. And that's, and ideally you don't want the other person to be doing things that they don't want to do just to make you happy. But, but somewhere there could be this, this overlap that where you guys can find some area of, of, of sexual understanding or something that you can start with. It takes a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of trust that has to be there beforehand. Um, but all the, but these are things people don't even begin to talk about, you know, and you think you can be with somebody for so long again, you can watch your wife give birth, you can see people's most intimate moments. But when it comes to wanting something that could be outside the marriage or something that's different, um, everyone lives in their own world. And it's, and that's how do you reconnect with the person you love, who you built a life with? It's really, that's the scary, unsexy stuff that everyone thinks about. Yeah. What, what have you already found yourself, if anything, enacting from what you've been learning from these doms like was it just the the body stuff and the relationship with food or was or, or you were you did you find other skill sets that you're now using already everything in the book every i have everything in the book is stuff gotcha. that i do there's a lot first it. you're saying there's a lot of first person there stuff is in the, there's in the some book. first okay. there's some first person stuff in the book but even the stuff that um they i have changed the way that i communicate with people mm-hmm. Um, my emails are much more direct. I don't apologize. I say thank you for your patience versus apologizing for being late. Does that, has that, in terms of the emails, like stern emails, I mean, not stern, but direct, have you been able to receive direct emails differently because now you have an understanding that this person is not being rude, they're being direct? Yeah, I don't read into things as much anymore. Gotcha. I just I just keep things moving. Um, and I, I but But at the same time, even though I'll say thank you for your patience, I will be aware of the fact that it did take me too long to get back to them. You know, I can, I can not apologize, but also, you know, do better 
you know, mm-hmm. so I'm much more direct with my, in my communications. I know what I don't want to do for work in 2020. I, I know that I, I know what I cannot do. I made a list of things like not even that I won't do, I'm not too good for them. I just know I won't do them well. And I would only be doing them for the money and I, I could see catastrophe. So I made a list of things that I won't do. Um, but a list of things that I, I, I will and, and I'm excited to do. So that was really helpful, just actually putting in, a, putting in a plan and saying, you know, that it's okay for me to say no to certain things. What are some of those things? Just certain, there's certain, when you do consulting projects, like I'll either need to be a writer that reports to somebody or lead a project. I can't mm. be like a middleman person. I can't just sort of, I can't lead a project within a larger project because uh-huh. it's too many meetings and things. I need to kind of be a one, I need to, be able to do my own thing and just check in and hand things in. I just, it's like, how can I be my best self? How can I not, if I always worry that I fail at every job, how can I set myself up for not feeling that way more? You know, and the answer is I can do that. I can choose to not take on jobs where I don't, I'm likely not to fail, you know? Right. Uh, so that, that's been really helpful. Um, I've changed the way. So I had an amazing um, interview with the Baroness, the latex designer in mm. the in the East Village. She does a lot, she did a lot of the costumes for Pose. She does stuff for she does stuff for Beyonce. For she's done a million things for Lady Gaga. She's been designing latex fashion and couture for twenty years. Her, she's unbelievable. And I met her for the book, and I interviewed her. And her, she talked to me about how to dress for power, and that was that. I, I literally, after I met with her, I went home and I cleaned out my entire closet. Um, what 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 is dressing for power, or is that also in the book? It's in the book. It's in the book. <laughs> I'm well, assuming I think pantsuits, but I also don't know a no, variety of clothing. It was. It wasn't even about the articles of clothing. Uh-huh. It was about going through your closet and like it's it's just like every it's like it's like go through your closet and what makes you feel powerful it's it's also also but what is what what is each article of clothing like you know why do we hold on to like you know i had a pair of shoes that never fit but i held on to them because i paid too much money for them Mm. so they were just there in my closet and she's like and she said you just go through your closet and just get rid of all the stuff that you're holding on to for like that make you feel shitty you know like oh like they used to fit and now they don't or that or that looked good on me when i was in when i was 19 so i'm going to keep it because it reminds me you know just think about like who you are now what makes you feel powerful now as opposed to the things that may have made you feel okay then that aren't part of your life now mm-hmm. um she's talked a lot about you know f- you know harnessing your sexuality through your clothing and how you can't you can't control how people perceive you. Yeah. you people have to pick up what you're putting down um, or they won't. And if you go in a room where you you feel as your all your energy is on all cylinders, people are going to pick up on that. Mm. And if you're wearing like a pantsuit or wearing something that doesn't feel like you, people will sense that because you're going to have a hard time. One of my favorite parts off. of the artist's way was just clearing out. When I, once we get to the chapter where she says, "Yeah, clear out the closet, clear out the drawers," I was like, "Oh, this is dope." I threw out t-shirts i've had since high school yeah and i was like yeah <laughs> but it's also hard to do these are like memories and they're parts of you and mm-hmm. it can feel like you're throwing out parts of yourself you well, know well, part of me is like oh these are memories of when i was thinner and fit in this shirt but those are all big things like <laughs> i mean like a lot of the stuff i threw away i had like stuff from when i was like a size six i stuff when i was like a size 14 like i just and i had i got rid of so much like bags and bags of stuff i donated because i just wanted to start again like who am i now mm-hmm. and what do i what do i what do i want to look like now what do I want the world to see now? And that was a big question too. So that was something that, uh, and I, she was great too. She put me in like a latex skirt and she like had me like, she, she got me all done up. And that was a very life, life altering moment yeah. too. I was like, well, I, I was like, I could never wear latex actually. I actually could definitely <laughs> wear latex and I hope to wear more in the future. Uh, but 
that that was a big one that that changed just a lot of like related just being kinder to myself and just trying to just it sounds so corny look self-care and kindness but you just like like my husband's away for a few days mm-hmm. you know he's with with my in-laws i have a, i have a, some time to myself and the old days i'd feel so guilty it's like oh like i should be with my husband or or oh like i should be productive i should be i was just saying should all the time and i i can't tell you how much better i feel like just not caring like, this is my time i wrote this book I, I quit my job to do it i have I have other projects in my life that will happen, but this is, this is a big deal. I, I, it's, I am spending time promoting the book, writing about the book, doing all this stuff. This is my own time. And I don't think I would have felt, I think I would have been apologizing for it this time last year. I would have been like, I'm so sorry, bud. I'm so sorry, bud. But I didn't even mean I was sorry. Yeah. I just wanted, I, you just I, don't want them to hate you I for, do, for doing what's important for you. And that's the thing. I do. Like, I don't want anyone to hate me. I don't, but. But then I think, do I really worry that people are going to hate me? And if they were to hate me, like, why wouldn't, why would I want to know them anyway? But mm-hmm. I just have these fears of like, I don't want anyone to be mad at me. I don't want to be mad at me. Also, when I, I, so I worked in, at a startup, you know, I've worked at startups and I work with some incredibly intelligent, like female data engineers and data scientists and people who very, and they all said to me, when I told them I was writing the book, all the women got it. Mm-hmm. They all got it. And they said, tell me how I can ask for what I want without sounding like a bitch. This is 2019. And this is just, Still, Still worried about being called a bitch. You're going to get called a bitch. It's okay. Well, there's either that or just like, what are you, what are you doing that you think is actually, like, what is bitchy? Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Is it because you're saying what you want to happen? Is it because you're saying that something in your team isn't working? Is it saying that, now we just talked a lot about what it means in the book, you know, you know, it's, you should, you're a bitch, whatever, if you're unreasonable, if you're cruel, if you're, you know, you're horrible to your employees, if you're disgraceful to work with, like, yeah, you're, you're a pretty bad person. But if you, if you just want people to do things for you, that makes sense to the goals of the company, and you're watching out for yourself and keeping your team in mind, you're never a bitch. Why, why would that be bitchy in a thousand years? But that's, but we still have this filter. And the more we say to ourselves, like, I just want to say, or the more we say, put these things out the worse you're going to feel and if you're a woman you're and you when oftentimes these women are the only women in the room you're going to always feel a little strange so you just have to eat it and just keep you just have to just say it and just keep moving i know that men kind of want to be afraid of you a little bit and just own that too like own the fact that that you they might not want it, that you might not be at their level that they should be a little bit afraid of you but that's fucked up too because you wish you could just all be in the same room solving a problem right um but yeah, I, that was uh, that's something I also real. I didn't quite quite realize how many men were so in awe of powerful women until this year too. I I had a very uh, I, I I was very when you write a book about this kind of thing, a lot of men will come talk to you. And, and I, I got I mean I'm a married woman, but I got a lot of attention from from men. What year. were men asking? And and this is like men you know in your life or like dudes on the internet seeing that you're doing it. Everybody. Just like nothing disrespectful, really. Just like, I think it's so cool. I think that's so amazing. Or just, you know, tell me what you do for work. Oh, that's so incredible. That's so amazing. I, you know, just all this sounding very impressed. Although, well, sure, probably they were getting a boner in some way with like my achievements versus like, it was just very interesting. It's like, wow, like it's like 20 guys in their 20s and 30s being like, wow, you've accomplished so much and that's so amazing. Like you're like, it was just very opposite to like growing up. But does that feel at all like condescending? Like, oh, well, I I would never thought you would have all this. No, I didn't feel anything. I just said, well, I just said, well, I said, I said, I said, thanks. I said, I hope you enjoy the book. 
and cool. I just left it, which also felt kind of great to me because I have to, and I don't have to engage with. It. I just said like, "Thank you for reaching out. That's really sweet." I'm, I'm, I, ho- I didn't buy the book. Um, it just I, as you grow up, you just think that I always thought I always know I was always thought it was cute and everything, but I don't know. You always think there's oh everyone you don't look like what everyone. It never looked like what you think you're supposed to look like, mm-hmm. and I was always very funny and weird and kind of an oddball at all my jobs and it's just very strange now it's when you get older suddenly you're being appreciated for all the things that you did you felt unappreciated mm-hmm. for and then you feel where was i all these where was i for me all these years why couldn't i feel the way i feel now when i was in my 30s but the answer is that's that's life no one does <laughs> what do you have any tips or suggestions like best practices for journalists who um, want to reach out to whether it's nominations or any sort of sex worker um, to do it in a respectful way because I, I think there's some who are shitty and then I think there's some who and I used to be one of them and probably still make gaffes at, from time to time I'm sure um, but th- they mean well and they just don't realize what they're saying why what they're saying is kind of not chill yeah. Um, so do you have any best practices for you know media people who want to reach out to sex workers for an interview for a project for whatever? That's really yeah, that's a great question, and that's something I was thinking about today, uh, because so many of the doms I work with are would be incredible sources for a number of articles, whether it's about you know it could be anything from legalization versus decriminalization to about relationship coaching uh, to fashion. They you know they're. They have a just a different point of view on all the same stuff that we have questions on, mm-hmm. um, and I would recommend a, a ton of them as sources to my friends. Um, I think the question it sounds really dumb in this day and age, but like do your homework, like look at their look at how they like to talk about themselves. Um, just do some industry research. Re- see if you have a mutual friend with this person. Don't just cold email them if you can, um, and just get the lowdown and just be a little bit extra sensitive. I don't think that's that's wrong. You know, I think I, I definitely. When I was writing the book, I definitely said, I'm new to this. If there's ever anything I say that is, you know, please correct me. I know. But I think that coming from a place, just think about why you're writing the piece and don't come with any preconceived notions on what people are like or, or what they're going to say. Because mm-hmm. no dom, no two doms think alike on anything. No two people think alike on anything. Just because one, one dom supports this doesn't mean another dom is going to support that too. Um, just think about why you want that person to put themselves out there for you. You know, why are you, they're not just there to kind of dress up your piece to be kind of like a kinky, you know, a kinky ornament to your piece. Just figure out why you want them there, why their expertise is important. Um, just like any other article, if you see something they've done in the past, um, you would reference that in the, in the email you send to them. Like, um, one of the doms I reached out to, I saw her in, um, she was quoted in a, um, a magazine called Quartz. It's actually a business magazine. Mm-hmm. And I found her there and I said, Hey, I read what you wrote about negotiating in the workplace. Um, and I read your website and I read your mission statements and I, and, and you sound incredible. I would, is there any way that I could buy you a cup of coffee and ask you a few questions? Then this is the project I'm working on. And that's what I did. And people were pretty nice because mm-hmm. they showed that I was interested in more than just like, what can you do for me? Um, I was, and of course you always go to them for, always buy them a cup of coffee. Don't mm-hmm. make them do any work. Don't make anybody do any work for you if you're asking them for a favor. And these are all, these are all Lindsay's tips. Uh, but I think that's, that's just, that's true. Just they figure out what you're asking. If you're not sure, ask someone if what you're going to be asking is inappropriate. Yeah. I would also throw in the, uh, if you want to write about sex work, don't sensationalize the sex work in oh, your, yeah. at least at a bare minimum. <clears throat> Cause even if you're going to be shitty and do it in your article, don't do it 
in the email when you're pitching them uh, because they don't think what they do is sensational um like or some sort of like absurd thing so don't be like we're doing this thing it's like isn't it crazy that like sex workers also sometimes do x totally normal thing like right so so you know may you know also think about how you're approaching and i've definitely you know like i pissed off melissa gira grant by accident like a very you know a long time ago uh because just the way i approached her in the email was not um appropriate which at 25 years old i were 24 or whatever i you know i didn't know um So it's like, yeah, approach with respect to the job, not just to them. Be like, I was respectful of them. No, you got to respect what they do for work to be able to even speak about it respectfully. Otherwise, if you think like this person's nice, but sex works for like dumb whores, that's always going to be the subtext of everything you're saying. It's going to it's going to ooze out. That's a really good point. Be like, you're really smart because you've written a book, but you're different than the other ones. That's how I felt about the first porn star I interviewed, Sarah J, where it was like, um, like, fun episode and i and all and and we got we get along but it's just i I, when i was 20 i was freshly turned 25 i saw a news item for something called team bj2 okay i woke up the morning of the world cup final and apparently uh sarah J did this thing called team bj um a few times where it was like i'm gonna pick a team to win this championship if that team wins i'm gonna blow all my twitter followers okay which what really is is more like it's fuck a fan style porn and it's more like she doesn't have to pay for talent, which is actually brilliant because um, mm-hmm. they have to pay for their own testing and come out and do a video and be willing to get the blowjob on camera. But she'll blow all the fans willing to meet those parameters. Okay. And I woke – now, I was not well-versed in like sex work stuff or porn stuff or anything really. I was, you know, an idiot. Uh, but I woke up and it says like, oh, Team Germany is in the World Cup final today. So Team BJ2 is still on. I just saw like on Twitter and I looked into it. I was like, wow, that's a really smart marketing thing. Right. Oh, <laughs> we're going to pick four World Cup teams. One wins. We blow a bunch of dudes. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. We're going to grow our Twitter followers. Right. And because and one of the rules, like you had to follow them both on Twitter. And again, back when I was a moron, I was like, that's brilliant, man. This is one of the smart porn stars. Right. As a, right. And then when I sat down with her, like I learned about all like the different ways they had to like um, she had to diversify her income with the texting and the sexting and yeah. the selling this and whatever. And I go like, oh, wow, she's really got it. Or some of that. Like I was like, it never even occurred to me that porn stars could be smart because that's where I was at that yes. time. And uh, and and I think it. If I go listen to that now, I'm sure you could hear hints of that in my language, speaking respectfully this one, but like what I felt about her industry was different than how I was treating her. I think that's, I think just never assume anything. I've yeah, never yeah. once talked to a sex worker who hasn't surprised me. Mm-hmm. I've never had every preconceived notion I've ever walked in, and we all do. It's just never what you think. People are surprising and they're interesting and they're weird and they're, and their stories are never what you think they're going to be. And that's the best thing about being a reporter. Like, why, why bother doing this for a living if you have the story written in your head already? Exactly. So, right. So I also think that, that there is a lot of things I've gotten in life and I'm very lucky is because I, I, I believe I'm very, very gracious and I'm very grateful. Um, and I think just being extra and you can't fake it. You can't fake kindness in my opinion. So I, I am, so if you do want to take the time to reach out to somebody for your story or article, just really figure out why you're doing this and don't ever, and also never talk to anybody like you feel bad for them. Never be like, we just wanted your point of view because you know, you're like, you're an exploited sex worker. Like just like make sure you know like what you're doing. Like and make sure you, yeah, just make sure, like, ask a friend if you, you know, because if, especially if you're writing about sex work and you assume that every 
person in sex work is exploited or every person who is a sex worker is being trafficked or everyone is it's anti-feminist to be a, a sex worker or it's or it's feminist to be a sex like, don't come in with your own ideas mm -hmm. because you never know what anyone thinks of anything and that's when things get interesting is when they say actually like i i like i'm a porn star and i'm not a feminist and here's why like that's a far more interesting conversation you're going to have than just assuming than just like making asking just just be curious yeah and being curious be gracious do your homework and don't be afraid to say and if and, and to say and if, if something i say you know it's yeah you know also just acknowledge where your ignorance will acknowledge be. and just and just just throw yourself on there you know and just and and always follow up with a thank you always and, follow up with a thank you fantastic and uh yeah no i think i i don't know i i it's very hard to explain why this book means so much to me and why it's so terrifying promoting it um i am uh it's 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 a very kinky book and even though i have some of my sex yeah, my ideas of sex have changed because of this book. And that is sort of interesting. How do you know, how, you know, was Wanda as well? You know, I never thought of myself as a person who was more of a dominant type person, like sexually, you know, or bedroom, boardroom. And as I've evolved, like I am. And that's really exciting and interesting. Um, I never would have thought that in my early 20s. My early 20s, I, you know, someone said something to me that was so great that, um, sometimes we lock ourselves into the kind of sex we like based on the first great sex we ever had. So if you have great, so I had, uh, I had really great sex in my early twenties with this one great boyfriend. And I think that's right. Like all the rest of my life. And it's not true. It's crazy. Yeah. We don't like the same foods we like when we were in our friends, you know, we don't like any of the same things. We like the same music. Um, but I, you just, it's, it's not when you're married, it's very hard to, to think about those sort of changes, you know, it's, uh, so that was interesting that, you know, when I was researching the book, because clearly I wrote the books I wanted to hang out with Doms for a reason. I mean, obviously, <laughs> um, I wanted to... Nine-year-old you were, was so happy. Yes. And uh, and I, I, was, I, I was in the room and I was at, you know, and even though, like, I'm figuring out what I like sexually um, and, it, and everyone is kinky in their own way, you know, um, I definitely was like, oh, like, like I, I get this. This, this. this makes sense to me now. And looking at seeing the women at events I went to who were in more of the submissive roles, I, I totally get it. But I was like, that's very much not for me now, you know? Mm. And that's very funny to me. You know, I was like, wow, things have like really changed. And it, it, that felt great to have recognized like such a big evolution of myself. I was like, wow, like I, and that's a part of getting older. That's so amazing. It's like, wow, like me at 40 is totally different yeah. than me at 20. Like that's so exciting. And well, so I was going to ask um, before you continue on, on the difference with the age stuff is if you're down to do a little like 10, 20 minute bonus episode, sure. I want, I'm, I'm curious. Some these, these, revelations you're having on sure. 40 verse 20 and also some of the stuff you allude to about like communication and marriage stuff yeah, around yeah, the comedy sure. um but for now i would say um where can people find you and find the book yeah um uh, thank you guys so much for listening uh you could you can definitely uh find me on twitter that's sort of my favorite it's Lindsay goldwert Lindsay uh, with an a or yes, an e l-i-n-d-s-a-y g-o-l-d-w-e-r-t and uh, you can subscribe to Spent Podcast. It's a uh, we, we just brought it back. It's uh, talking about money with uh, uh, we just did a sex and money uh, mini series. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Stoya is one of your guests. That's a great Stoya. one. Stoya, she was fantastic. Um, I spoke to these two incredible dominatrixes, a Dia Domina Dynasty and Lucy Sweetkill, who appear very prominently in the book, and an economist um, and a sex toy CEO. So uh, that's Alex Fine from Dame. Yes, right? yeah. Alex Fine from Dame. She was great. 
And uh, and yeah, and you just follow me at Lindsay Goldward on Twitter or Spent Podcast on Twitter. And go get the book, Bow Down. Yes, it's out on January 14th. Pre-order it. It is a great gift for a Valentine's Day um, or for anyone you love. I mean, it, it, right the way you've described it, it sounds like it's a good book for my mom. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a book for your aunt. <laughs> well, my, my mom, who's got like the new, you know, she's a new like real estate uh, agent type. And she's very gung-ho about it. Very big on Instagram, apparently, is her new Maybe. thing. And I'm like, mom, yeah, go, you know. Help with your negotiating. She's, well, <laughs> is she someone that's a little? Is she? Well, she she's a late in life career person because of a you know long marriage, and then after divorce, she was like, I think I'm gonna do real estate. <laughs> she be put off by like by kinky content. No, I bought I bought my youngest sister a few a couple years ago a copy of The Ethical Slut because she was. Still, oh yeah, that's a she, great book. Great book. She was still in college. I wanted to try to expose her to some sex positivity, um, and I like how it has like a glossary of terms right up front. That's a great book. Yeah, thought. Kelly apparently didn't touch it. Uh, I came home like three weeks later just to like visit and I saw my mom. My mom, I didn't announce I was home. I opened the door. My mom's on the couch in the living room reading The Ethical Slut. And I'm like, okay. That's okay. amazing. Yes, buy it for your mom. It's very, it's all of, it's all about making peace with yourself and, and have a, you know, have think, you know, and lots of, it's, it's filthy. It's heartwarming. For Fantastic. Me. <laughs> uh, Patreon people, you're going to hear this bonus episode tomorrow. But for now, why don't you say goodbye to everyone else? Thank you so much for listening. It was so nice to be here. <laughs> You know what really affirms the fuck out of me? Five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this one came in on New Year's Eve from uh, Tex Mia, and uh, it, it just says, I know I'm a female, but you're hilarious. I could not stop laughing. I have MS also, and I'm outrageously horny, and you made it worse. Thank you very much. Well, Tex Mia, you know, I hope... <laughs> Um, I hope the the aggravated horniness does not aggravate your MS. I'm glad you're digging the pod. And I hope you all enjoyed my chat with Lindsay. Uh, go get the book, Bow Down. You can pre-order it right now, uh, and it hits all bookshelves on January 14th. So that's next Tuesday. Of course, go follow her on the social media. I know you're following me, right? Because you're a good boy or a good girl or a good NB. All right. I'm on Twitter at the Billy Presida. I'm slinging jokes over there. I'm on Instagram at Billy is Presida, tossing out thirst traps left and right. And you can go like the Man Whore Podcast Facebook page where uh, where the intern Sophia is dropping dank sex positive memes almost daily. Want to tell me something privately, maybe something a little bit longer than a tweet? Shoot me an email with your comments, your questions, your titty pictures, your outrages at manwhorepod at gmail.com. You know, I, if this show has meant a lot to you, if there's a, if this whole, if this show holds a special place in your heart, this is a great time to let me know, especially because I'm about to like, you know, drive around the country for almost two months. So I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of free time to read emails. <laughs> By the way, if you have a couch I can crash on, hit me up. Uh, next week, is, as long as nothing weird happens, you know, I'm going to be having on one of my past partners. Uh, let's just let's just call her a threesome whisperer. I can't wait to share with y'all next week, everybody. Stay slutty. <laughs> <laughs>